<laughs> okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Thursday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. Wolf is sitting to my right now, kind of. Wolf, what's going on? Uh, not a whole lot. How you doing, Luke? Frantic three minutes in radio is the changeover between the two shows. Yeah, it really is. It just messes you up right now. Good morning, Basinonians. Ron Wolfley reporting for duty. Luke, you ready to broadcast? I'm pretty excited. I'm locked out of my email. So oh, you are yeah, right now? i just getting the something went wrong screen. Okay, good. That's <laughs> oh, all. Something that's went wrong. You know what? When you get that type of warning, it drives me crazy because you should know if you're going to send me that. Something went wrong. You should know what that something is that went me, wrong. It, Please. At least tell me like you're locked out. They don't want you with email access or something. Don't don't tell it's me. the worst message ever. It, something yes. went wrong. We need to give you bad we news. We don't know what exactly went wrong, but something went wrong. We're going to be vague about it. All right. Something went wrong for the Suns at the very end of the game last night in Cleveland. This was kind of a mixed emotions sort of game, Wolf, because I thought the Suns looked a lot more like the Suns for good chunk of this game, but then they lost on, not a buzzer beater, but in the closing seconds of a game that they really weren't trailing very often. Yeah, you know, for me, they look like the Phoenix Suns, and that made me feel really, really good for the most part. Um, listen, we all know the struggles that they've had lately. This is the best they've looked, I would say, in a long time. Uh, they, they were physical to me. They were aggressive. They played defense. They, they looked like the Phoenix Suns. They just couldn't finish the deal. They looked, it, it kind of hit me as the game ended like that. Th- there are games Devin Booker's missed, and you could say, well, we'll have, what would happen if Devin Booker played? And you'll never really know. If Devin Booker plays last night, they win. That's one of the games you can look at and just say, okay, they, they would have won that game. It, they, they looked, and it feels weird to say this as a positive, but it is, trust me, in this, this particular context. Last night, they looked like the Phoenix Suns. Minus Devin Booker, which there have been times. It's a good way of saying it. On this stretch where it they was have better not- than mine. I said they look like the Suns. And you said they look like the Phoenix Suns minus Devin Booker. Okay. But so I mean, you even got more specific. Well, because it wasn't something went wrong. It was <laughs> you got specific on that. Well done by I, you. I Luke. demand specific. You won up me show. right there. I oh, see what you did. Yeah, it sets the tone early for four hours of this too. <laughs> uh, no, but like the game against the Knicks on Monday, they didn't look like the Suns. No, it wasn't like well they look like the Suns, but they don't have Devin Booker. No, they just didn't look like a basketball team. Last night that wasn't the case. They couldn't score much early, which. Which again, if you have Devin Booker, that's going to change that, you figure. But look, if you're only going to score in the teens in the first quarter, well, then just hold the other team to the teens in the first quarter. It's kind of like what we were talking about earlier this week. If you're not hitting your shots, at least lean on your defense to pull the other team down until you can figure it out. They gave up 33 points in the first half last night. Well, it's a game you should win, but that's yeah, still a good effort. Right now, that is an awesome effort right there. Once again, the defense, I was really highly encouraged because of the defense the Phoenix Suns played, but 
but when you talk about defense as well and the physicality and the aggressiveness of being a good defensive team like we know the Suns have been at least all of last year of course um, it's also you're talking about rebounding and they out rebounded the best rebounding team in the league would you say that rebounding has been an issue for the Phoenix Suns uh, yeah for a couple of years actually no. yes. especially this year it's especially been an issue, this year it's been yeah. a huge issue this year you, you cannot convince me that the Phoenix Suns didn't know that going into this game how good the Cleveland Cavaliers rebound the basketball you cannot ever convince me they didn't know that somewhere in that scouting report Monty Williams took out a highlighter and highlighted the fact I, I think it was a point of emphasis that's my point it was a point of emphasis going into this game this is one of the best if not the best rebounding teams in the NBA you better come out and you better fight and guess what they did they came out and they made it they made it a priority to rebound the basketball rebound not basketball Thank you. Uh, we got a clap in uh, command and control right there. <laughs> no, they um, just isolated that sound. But you know what? It. Honestly, right now, that that was a huge element, a huge component coming into this game, I'm sure. And guess what? They out-rebounded the best rebounding team in the association. That That is a great way to start because you can take this tape and you can show DeAndre Ayton. You can show everybody else. This is what we are, and this is what we do, and this is who we are, and who we've been, and we haven't been doing it this year. You can really coach off that. Once again, you know what? To listen, are, are the Suns past moral victories? Yeah, they, they are. There's no doubt about that. I understand that. There is no moral victory for the Suns right now. But man, this coaching tape that you can take and actually show these guys what they did last night, they can get better because of it. If they play defense like that, they, they won't be losing as often as they're losing right now. And then, if you're going to play defense like that, that I think gives a little more of a stable foundation of, okay... But what happens when Devin Booker comes back? And what happens when Cam Johnson comes back? And by the way, this is the start of month three without Cam Johnson. We have now entered the third month of okay, the one to two months. I thought frame. it was one to two. Well, I, I'm thinking now maybe it was one plus two months. And we just, we, we, we <laughs> no, read it the wrong way. They said one to two. They said one to two months. One to two months. Yeah. That's what they said right there. <laughs> okay, so Cam. And that was weird, wasn't it? One to two months? It was kind of, that was like, one to that two was like months. something is wrong. Remember at the time, <laughs> at the time we were talking about that. Who in the world says one? One to two months. I, I don't, you know, hey, listen, it's going to be four or five weeks. You know, I mean, typically that's what you're, four to six tops. Well, you, would, right? you would hate the vagaries of hockey injuries where it's, well, what happened? The upper body injury. Oh, no. Well, how long's he out? Yeah. yeah. Although it's usually <laughs> one day in a hockey. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, oh, but yes. You know what? Who knows? Uh, he might come back. Yeah. He might come back. Well, one to two months is like, when's he going to be back? Uh, either the first or the second half it's of the season. It's one of the things I love about hockey. They just, you know, honestly, they're not going to give you any information whatsoever. Any information you could possibly use against them, they will not give you on an individual basis. And, of course, collectively as a team. Typically in hockey, you don't need to know what the injury is. Just know the guy will be back in less than a week. <laughs> Whatever it is, that's fine. Uh, here's Monty Williams after the game talking about the end of the game. About um, the ability to come off and receive the ball, take the shot, and deal with the consequences either way. And I thought we got off, we got off a good look, had a chance to go into overtime. And, um, I was just proud of them. And, uh, in respect to the game, uh, just an, another game where 
he just didn't do one more thing to get us a win. We were one play away from winning in Denver in regulation. We had a couple of plays down the stretch in Toronto, had a segment in Washington. It's just been that kind of a trip. And um, it was just a hard, hard way to lose a game after having our guys fight the way that they did. You know, I remember growing up hearing this about a lot of different teams. Well, if I really, now I think about it, it was just teams that were getting eliminated by the Bulls in the playoffs. But the, the debate was always, okay, well, who who's the who's the guy that takes the last shot? Who's supposed to take? Like, do you have one clear-cut yeah. guy that's going to take that last shot? Now, the Suns do. It's Devin Booker, but he isn't playing. So, then this is not a knock on Mikel Bridges. Maybe he's the right answer. But at the end of the game, it was Mikel taking the shot. It, it just feels like they have been forced to ask him to do stuff so far out of his comfort zone this season that it almost paints his his contributions in a different light, which I'm not sure is totally fair. Like They didn't draft him to be the big yeah. shot guy at the end of the game. Yeah, and they didn't extend him as well, uh, to me at least. Um, listen, Mikel Bridges, uh, he missed the last shot, of course, and it was right in his sweet spot. It was a 14-footer. It was a pull-up. It looked really, really good. Had a chance. He missed the shot. That's what he did. He missed it, plain and simple. Um, yeah, Mikel hasn't been in a lot of those situations, as we all know. Hasn't been in a ton of them, we'll put it that way. It's not like it's his first shot at actually trying to end a game or actually tie a game up and go into overtime. But to me, um, Mikel Bridges is the guy who needs to take that shot. Of everybody on the floor, that's yeah. the one taking it? Yeah, okay. you know, for me. What about Chris Paul? Chris Paul is um, he's he so much better. Oh my goodness, he he looked like Chris Paul. The Suns looked like the Suns, and Chris Paul looked like Chris Paul. But it was so weird because Chris Paul scored eight points in the fourth quarter. Typically, yeah. you say, "My goodness, what a that's a it's a great job, Chris. Nice. Beautiful, wonderful, well right done. there." Um, but in crunch time, he, he 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 didn't attempt a shot. Chris Paul, no. That, that and he's the he's the wielder of death, metaphorically speaking, in crunch time. That yeah. felt like the the sort of game that a year ago the Suns win, right? What, what Cleveland did, where they had the lead after the first quarter, but they didn't lead at all in the second half. Till right at the end, hit the shot, Suns missed. They walked off the court celebrating. Yeah, it's like that felt like the sort of game last year the Suns would would play, where they didn't quite maybe have their best, but they went out there and found a way to win anyway. By the way, Evan Mobley held the six points. Eight points, six points. Yeah, he's um. Everybody loves Evan Mobley, and he's a really good player. Right, but he the Suns because I was at the Suns Cavs game last year when there was all the hype right at the start of the year. I think he had six points in that game too. So I don't know if the Suns have figured something out with Evan Mobley or what. Maybe it's just because he was coming back from injury. I mean, he hit the the shot at the end of the game, so I guess it doesn't really uh, ultimately matter. All right, when we come back. Um, Cliff Kingsbury dropped a little bit of a uh, I don't know, little preview of next season yesterday, whether he did it intentionally or not, about the starting quarterback. We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, i got to point this out before we get into the, the Cardinals, too, because he said this yesterday on the show. I showed you off there. we got to at least throw it out there on the air. Remember when we, we came back from segment, we are like, why don't people just say anytime they go anywhere, just mention that Vince sent you, right? Yeah. Somebody did that. Some, somebody drove through a drive-thru <laughs> and sent us the video, and the person on the other end of the drive-thru after they ordered, they're like, does it matter that Vince sent you? Is that me? And they, and they were like, um, what? And he's like, Vince sent me. And they were like, what are you talking That's about? That's pretty funny right there. So I believe that was 
Brian. So just Vinny, yeah. shout out Vinny's to Brian right there. Okay. Yeah. Everybody just well done, Brian. Uh, all right. To the Arizona Cardinals, we got into this briefly yesterday. Cliff Kingsbury, though, had a few interesting things to say about Kyler Murray. And I think at this point, we're four years in. If you are a Cardinals fan, you're kind of used to reading between the lines with some of the stuff Cliff says. And you kind of know if he says this, maybe that indicates this is going to happen or whatever. Then we mean maybe. Maybe. You never know. <laughs> yes. See, that's the problem. Well done, Cliff. Way to speak median, Cliff. He, he should teach median in school. Indeed. Like, it's like it's an actual language. Uh, this is Cliff talking about Kyler Murray's surgery, which took place on Tuesday. I did, yeah. I texted him yesterday. It went well. Um, so now it starts rehab. I know he was excited to, to get it done and, and get moving forward. And then um, also talking about this Sunday, and just follow me for a second, Colt McCoy, basically they're shutting him down. This is what Cliff said about that. It was tough. Yeah, he, he wanted to play. And um, it's just in our situation with, like I said, the impending probably not having Kyler start the year. It's it's the right thing to do. Boom. That right there at the end is is it's not like some breaking news. Oh, my gosh, the Cardinals don't expect Kyler Murray back for the start of next yeah. year. I don't think any of us did, but we hadn't heard the Cardinals say it until yeah. yesterday. You know, once again, the speculation is out there, and none of us are right when you speculate, including myself right now, <laughs> who said that it was going to take nine months. Remember that? I used nine months. That's mm-hmm. my barometer right there. Nine months from when he gets a surgery, that is, that is give or take a few weeks. One way or the other, maybe even a few months, one way or the other, give or take. Nine months is the center point to me for most ACLs. Now, he also reportedly got a little meniscus addressed as well. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden, that nine months, I, I'm st- I'm going to stick to that as a general uh, barometer as to how long I think it's going to take for Kyler Murray to get back. But I don't think we're going to see him in seven months. I don't think we're going to see that. No. And you have seen some guys come back that quickly. But being mobile is such a big part of his game. Correct. And just, just for a reference point, nine months from the day of surgery would be October 3rd. Now, when you say nine months, you're not saying nine months to the minute. But just as a reference point, if he comes back a week or two earlier, then maybe you're in in mid to late September. Or if it takes a little bit longer, then you're you're getting into October. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with Cliff saying that yesterday. In fact, I would say it's probably better that they are thinking that way of let's prepare for the start of next year like you don't have Kyler Murray. If he's a miracle healer and he's suddenly ready to go at the start of the season, well, great, then just plug him in. But you got to be prepared like you're not going to have him for a little while because you're probably not going to have him for a little while. Yeah, and uh, that's one of the reasons why I think they're being so cautious with Cole McCoy. And I also think, too, as well, you know, it's a situation where they got to find out, hey, listen, this is an opportunity. Find out we got Colt McCoy. We know exactly what Colt McCoy is. Of course, we got him under contract. We got to find out about some of these other guys right now. Uh, David Blau. This is a guy that, again, pardon? Rhymes with cow. Rhymes with cow. It shows the cow offense. Here we go. Moo. Anytime you say something like that, I purposely don't interrupt. Do you know how cool that would be? What if, what if all of a sudden, you know what, the cow offense actually took off right there and everybody, oh, right? Uh, can you imagine what kind of sound that would make if you had 75,000 people making that sound? Can you imagine that right now? That would be absolutely 
awesome. That's it, right it there. Would, it would be like Steelers fans when the Pat Fryermuth makes a catch, right? And they all just go Muth. Oh, there, yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. Something like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Maybe you watch a lot of Steeler games. Is that what you're doing? I right watch a now? lot of football. Okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Interesting, right? Muth. Yeah. Okay, yeah, right. You get my point. Um, Do I? What was it? No, you don't. <laughs> you distracted me. Now you got me totally <laughs> sidewide. What are we talking here, about here? We're, we're, I, I think this is where you were going. Okay, here's another cut from Cliff Kingsbury talking about what this could be for Kyler Murray. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's never been through this, obviously, but uh, he's excited. I think it can be kind of a reset for him. Um, we know, you know, we had our struggles this year offensively, and we feel like we can play at a much higher level. And um, I think he understands that he can build himself back better and um, attack this thing. And I think that's how he's viewing it. It's, it's kind of a, a reset, and you know, where he takes it now is kind of how what's going to define his career. Oh, man, you know what? That to me right there. That was the cut that I was, oh, my goodness. That, it got me all jacked up, basically. It did. Uh, I'm, I'm super hopeful that Cliff is speaking for where Kyler wants to go in his development. That that is that is what I'm reading between the lines right here. That's not what Cliff said. <laughs> All right, that's not the speculation. Here we go. Let us speculate as to what Cliff said. Speaking median, um, uh, you know, I I think he said it can kind of be a reset to him. Reset. Go ahead and look it up right now in the dictionary. Look up the. No, word. I already looked up Re- Morass yesterday. Okay. <laughs> I know what reset is. <laughs> reset to set again. Dot, 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 or differently. <laughs> you, know, you know where I'm going with that one right there. Okay. To set again or differently. Okay. Um, I like that because, once again, the reset button for Kyler Murray. You know where I want this to go. I want him to look at this as an opportunity to grow as a quarterback, grow as a football player, grow as a leader, grow as somebody who understands the NFL game and where he must improve at the quarterback position to be successful in the NFL going forward. Let me replay this this cut then because you're right. Cliff didn't say all that, but he he did say... Kyler is is viewing this a certain way. Here we go. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's never been through this, obviously, but uh, he's excited. I think it can be kind of a reset for him. Um, we know, you know, we had our struggles this year offensively, and we feel like we can play at a much higher level. And um, I think he understands that he can build himself back better and um, attack this thing. And I think that's how he's viewing it. It's, it's kind of a, a reset, and you know, where he takes it now is kind of how what's going to define his career. I mean, again, he speaks medium, but he did say I think that's kind of how he's viewing it. Yeah, that's kind of. How he's viewing it right there, and that's why it encouraged me. It filled me with hope that Kyler, Kyler may be looking at this as an opportunity right now. Maybe looking at this as an opportunity to somehow get better. He said he understands he can build himself back better. How? You know, he can use this time to learn the NFL game. That's what I'm talking about, right? I think he can. He can look at this and say, you know what? Here's the one thing I know. The the offense that we were running, it seemed like teams had figured us out. We've got to do something differently. We've got to evolve this offense. And I'm hoping that maybe Kyler is actually seeing this. Maybe he's seeing this. And this is the reason why Cliff is speaking the way that he is. I would say you and I, in general, tend to 
approach things, you know, looking for the silver lining or looking for the glass <laughs> half full. No, there's no doubt. I do. And you, yes. I, I admit that freely. Uh, on this show, that has been tested this season with yes. the Cardinals. Because it's been tough. Because you're right. my, it's, I'm the same way where my natural instinct is like, oh, that glass looks half full, not half empty. Well, yes. this year the glass has been shattered on the ground and the water's been like rolling down the street. And I'm like, oh, it could still be kind of half full. It's hard to find anything good right now with the Cardinals. But I, I had this thought driving over Wolf and and I, I think there is some validity to it. You look at other teams around the league this year that had a miserable season, and like Denver in particular, you know, you can you can turn things around in the NFL, but sometimes you're kind of stuck for a while. When when you go through the Cardinals roster and all the free agents and you know the guys that aren't free agents that you might move for other pieces, it's it's a thin silver lining, but it is a silver lining right now as the season wraps up. You want to change everything? You actually can change most of this team. It, this is not something where it's like, well, they're locked into this guy for five years and this guy for seven years. And, and, and I know like, if you're not a Kyler fan, they are locked into him for a while. But other than that, it's basically a lot of young players, especially on defense, that showed some promise. And like Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson, there's a couple other guys. But for the most part, you could see huge turnover this offseason with this team. Yes, and the last thing that he actually said, and where he takes it now is kind of what's going to define his career. Man, that sounds like a definitive statement. More on this as the show unfolds. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Episode 8 of Hard Knocks was released last night. Would you learn from the uh, the show? We'll tell you next in Hard Knocks with Hard Rock. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I don't think it ever hurts to put an extra camera in somebody's face to try to get the best out of them. Previously on Hard Knocks. I'm tired of losing. my I'm tired of losing at home. We need to get this together. I love y'all boys, man. Let's go, man. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Get ready for a show. Get ready for a show. This is Hard Knocks with Hard Rock. Wolf and Luke on last night's episode of Hard Knocks, in season with the Arizona Cardinals. All right, this is our quick weekly recap of the show last night. A little bit of a different look at it. Uh, we can get back into episode eight later on. But this time we go rapid fire with Hard Rock in the background. Wolf, we will start with the show stealer. Show stealer. And I'm going to let you point to me and say I'm going to go first. <laughs> <laughs> right. Take the cue. My nope. show stealer, I'm going to go with the combination. Boy, HBO must feel so happy that J.J. Watt is around because the players that they wanted to do stories on this season, well, most of them are done for the year. So they have had J.J. Watt. He has given them a lot of storylines. I thought J.J. Watt and Zayvon Collins together really uh, stole the show last night. Here they are. Damn! I've slept five times a day. Are you if you fall down again, just walk inside. You're gonna have a lot of. Why to be so negative? You're gonna have a lot of fixing. Yeah, I was, I was in the middle of something positive. I'm in the middle of saying something positive. Your Christmas card. Look at this. You kind of suck. Merry Christmas. You're awesome. Who accidentally gave you a Christmas card for me? I love. Somebody's got to tell my assistant. That's telling my assistant. Really good. You weren't on the list. Oh my goodness. There's no doubt about it, man. Um, watching JJ Watts on episode eight of Hard Knocks. He was the star. He was the show stealer. No doubt about it. Rightfully so. Um, 
That conversation with Zayvon Collins brought back so many memories of what it was like to absolutely love your teammate, to love a dude in the locker room where you just ripped him <laughs> mercilessly. He's been that it way with Zayvon back for two all, years now. All the memories of loving a guy like that where you just rip him constantly. Those two and then J.J. Watt and Zach Allen. I've said this before, but I mean that's that's been the best thing to come out of Hard Knocks. And, and we knew J.J. Watt and Zayvon Collins were this way because J.J. would tweet stuff about him last year. But <laughs> just the dynamic between those two is great. So Watt was your, your uh, show stealer as well, No doubt right? about it, man. Uh, here's J.J. Watt. For these last 12 years in the NFL, every single offseason, every training camp, every season, I've poured everything into this game. And I've probably neglected important things in my life because of it. I've probably missed out on great opportunities because of it. But that's what I was willing to do to try and be great at this game. That is J.J. Watt, and you guys know my opinion on this one right here. One of the hardest things to do for any professional athlete is to walk away from the sport that he loves and stay away. It's one of the hardest things. Every athlete has got to see his own athletic mortality, man, and there's only one way to do that, and that is go out and play when it matters the most, when the silks are on and the lights are bright, and you go to hit that go button, go button, go button, and you push it, and nothing happens. You have to see your own athletic mortality to really understand, I need to stay away from this game. I don't... I don't put it past J.J. Watt to be superhuman and actually stay away like Barry Sanders. Stay away from the game that he loves going out on top. That sounds like J.J. Watt. It does. Standout sound. Uh, this also sounds like J.J. Watt. And, and you know, as, as rough as the season has been, and, you know, <laughs> I'm sure if you're not a Cardinals fan and you're watching Hard Knocks, you're like, man, kind of depressing down there this year. Uh, well, uh, tough, because we're actually living it down here. But J.J. Um, Watt had some good audio last night. There's been standout sound. I mean, we come up with seven or eight of these every single week. But I thought this one in particular was, uh, was, was impressive. J.J. Watt, after the loss to the Falcons in the locker room to his teammates. First, I want to apologize. On that last drive, I got caught out of my gap, and then I was trying hard to make another play, so I jumped off sides. That's me. I'm sorry. That sucks. You got to be accountable. You got to trust your teammates. That's me. So I apologize for that. I appreciate your effort. I appreciate your work. We only got one more of these things, boys. Let's have a good week. Let's go out there, and let's play the game we love. Cards on three. One, two, three. Cards. He's got one game left in his career, and nobody in that locker room questions J.J. Watt's integrity or ability to take responsibility. He didn't have to say anything right there, but he did. No, he didn't have to say anything. Um, once again, accountability, it is the most important thing when you talk about leadership. Accountability. I've talked about this for years. Years on the radio. Accountability. That is leadership to be accountable. It is. Being accountable is holding yourself to a standard you won't hold anyone else to. That's what J.J. Watt just did and proved. Talking about getting out of his gap right there, right? Um, Yeah, he needs to be accountable, first and foremost. And he was reminding everybody of that. 
If you want to actually talk to somebody else, if you want to challenge somebody else, you better be accountable yourself. You better be the first guy that steps up to the mic and says, that was my fault. That was me. You point the spiny, ruddy finger of blame at yourself first. And if you do that, just like J.J. Watt did in that little clip, you can walk up to anybody and say, what are you doing, man? You're killing us. Yeah, that's like another lesson for a team. He's not going to be on next year, although anybody that's ever played any organized sports knows he's still going to want these guys to succeed. Here's uh, here's your standout sound, also from J.J. Watt, on why he's retiring now. I've known for a while. I've known for at least a few months. Just, just feels like a good time. Uh, you know, I want to I want to leave while I'm playing good football, while I'm proud of the film I'm putting out. Um, I want people to remember me for playing good ball and not for getting knocked on my ass. Boy, do I understand that feeling right there, man. Um, I sat out in 1994. I sat out with a bad back. I did not play at all in 1994. And there was one team that would actually sign me, and they signed me two hours before training camp opened, and that was the St. Louis Rams at the time. I did not want to go out. I did not want to go out the way that I was. I wanted to say goodbye to the game myself and see my own athletic mortality. I wanted to do it so badly. The last thing I wanted to do is get knocked on my butt, metaphorically speaking, like J.J. Let me say goodbye to the game, and that's what he's talking about, man. I want people to remember me playing good ball. People are going to remember J.J. Watt for a lot of things. Playing good ball is first and foremost. Not leaving the game getting metaphorically knocked on his butt. Truth. All right, my hard truth is at the very end of the show, Wolf, and anybody that's watched Hard Knocks in the past knows that like the last 30 seconds of the show when they're rolling the credits is usually the kind of like lighthearted. <laughs> well, there hasn't really been a lot of that with the uh, the Cardinals this year, but there was last night. My hard truth is that Zayvon Collins doesn't know a whole lot about hockey. Big hockey, big hockey up there. I don't understand the rules. You don't understand the rules of hockey? Because like, how many people are on the ring or on the ice at one time? Five players, one goal, and on the So six and six. Okay, so twelve. And then if you get like a, a foul, you have to like sit in the box, right? So if I put you in giant ass, what are those shoes called? They were skates, ice skates. I, I couldn't think of it. Anyways, okay. No, I'm not. I just, it lost my. I skipped my mind. If I put you in giant ass ice skates, what are they called? If I put you in those giant ass ice skates, could you ride around? Could you? Could you skate around on ice? Yes. No. I'll show you video in You'd look like a moose on ice. Feet and knees going everywhere. You want to go skating? How, where are we going to go skating here in Arizona? No. What if we fell through? We're not going on a... I'm going to go on a pond. That was, that's pretty incredible right there. Um... My hard truth was the Cardinals are not going to be able to replace J.J. Watt very easily next season. This guy, the the tangible of how he plays in between the white lines and the intangible of how he leads outside of those white lines and in between those white lines. They're... 
they're going to miss J.J. Watt. I don't think there's any doubt about that. That was hard truth number one. And hard truth number two is I need to get me a tombstone hat. Just like, like David, just like David. <laughs> you got to cut out holes for like the the headset though. That you can I, wear it over I need to show. get a tombstone hat, <laughs> like David. We've all seen the movie Tombstone. I'm your Huckleberry. Uh, we know we're getting Wolf for Christmas next week. The Wolf Count. Uh, the Wolf Count last night was at five. Five wolves during the uh, five wolf 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 sightings during Hard Knocks last night. All right, that was Hard Knocks with Hard five Rock. Too many. We will we'll get back into Hard Knocks a little bit later on. We come back. There's been a lot of speculation that James Jones isn't even allowed to make trades for the Suns right now. What does he have to say about that? You're going to hear next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Over to basketball, there has been speculation. I think it was growing before this week, but Brian Windhorst wrote that story on ESPN saying, okay, not so fast on the Suns, why they haven't made trades yet. Maybe James Jones isn't being overly patient. Maybe he can't actually make trades because they have to be signed off on by Robert Sarver if they are a trade of any significance, including just a Jay Crowder trade. Well, James Jones is on with Burns and Gambo yesterday, and so they asked him flat out, has that been an issue for you, Robert Sarver having that veto power? No, it hasn't. We've we've been consistent since day one. I mean, we've known what the parameters for operation for our operation has been and will continue to be until there's a transition or uh, to new ownership. Um, and so we've been business as usual. So there's been at no point where you've got vetoed on any possible trade that you've had discussions with or presented. No, I haven't. I don't know if that makes me feel better or worse. I think no. it, I guess it makes me feel better. Okay. I, I guess I heard them. It talking. makes you feel better. I, Why does it make you feel better? Just you know what? It doesn't <laughs> because as I'm parsing this out, like this is great right here. I, I guess you could take that as, hey, Robert Sarver's not. He's not an issue. Like if we want to make a trade, we can. But that's not really what he said. He just said that they haven't gotten to the point with a trade where Sarver stepped in and vetoed it. Yeah. So right. then it raises the other question of why aren't we making any trades? Yeah. Like, Does I know, he have an answer right there to you, um, as you look at all the cuts from James Well, Jones? they did ask him if the team's going to look the same after the trade deadline, which is, by the way, again, exactly five weeks from today. I just think how, how we play from here going forward determines a lot. Um, I, I wouldn't project. I can't tell you what it looks like, but I do know, you know, we, we have aspirations of, of, of being a, a good team. And in order to do that, you have to perform consistently well. We just haven't done that. So it's, it's not you know, an alarm for us, but we're conscious that you know we, we have goals of winning titles and, and, and being a contender and, and winning a lot of games. And so the things that we focus on and, and the moves that we make in the future will align with that. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, when I listen to James Jones and what he just said right there, he said, all is well. Uh, I mean, that's what I heard. What did you hear? 
I heard that. You know what? Hey, listen, um, we're going to find out how this team actually plays. In other words, when Cam Johnson comes back, I don't even know if it's D book is my, you know what, you, you know what book is. Yeah. You know what he's all about. Cam Johnson, when he comes back right here, we're going to see how we kind of mold, how we gel together as a team right here going forward. That's what we're going to do. We did the math last week when the Booker news came out. And again, that was just that he's going to be reevaluated in about four weeks. So if you just want to take that literally, four weeks has him out through the January 24th game against Charlotte. But it's not like he steps back on the floor. He gets reevaluated at that point. Now, maybe he's good to go. Of course, the next game is Dallas, because why wouldn't it be? But if it's, let's say it's another week or two for Booker. I mean, you're not going to have him back till a couple days before the trade deadline. Yeah. So it almost can't be, what does this team look like with Devin Booker? Because you're not going to have that luxury. And, and let's say he's back. Hey, it's February 5th. Booker's right. back. We got, okay, now we got two or three days to make a trade. Like, that's not how trades work. You should already be working on it now if you're serious about making a trade. So I, I sympathize with James Jones because he hasn't got to see the full picture of his team this year to know what he needs, but he's going to kind of have to, wing it based on what he knows because there's there's no way you can look at this team right now and say oh yeah they're a contender right they're no, not. you can't. No, you can't do that right now. They're twenty you can't. and nineteen. They're not, they're not. Yeah, they're not playing well. So forget about the twenty and nineteen. Just watch them play. Last night was the exception. It was the exception. They look like the Suns. More on that as the show unfolds. Five and thirteen. But in their right last now, games. boy, does this? You know what? The the, the Phoenix Suns feel like the Golden State Warriors from last year. Yeah. <laughs> They've got all these guys out, integral pieces, of course, like Devin Booker, like Camp Johnson. they got guys that are out right now that, you know what, all we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to wait until we get near to the playoffs. And, of course, hopefully we'll be playing well. We just want to make sure going into the postseason, we got all our guys and we're ready to go. Which... To be fair, we all said after last season is a version of that is what they need to do. You got to be peaking at the right time. Now, I don't know why with the Cardinals and the Suns peaking at the end of the season suddenly means you can't win games in the first half of the season. That's the way it played out this year. The only concern I have with that analogy with Golden State is Golden State's done it before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they know, okay, here we go. We're ramping it up. A dynasty. Yeah. The definition of a dynasty. Yeah, I understand that. I'm just saying when you take it on a piece-by-piece basis. (laughs) Not a case-by-case basis or a base-by-base case. A piece-by-piece. You just look at it incrementally as opposed to this dynasty that the Warriors are. That's what confounds you a little bit because you start actually conflating the fact that how many championships have they won with what what I'm saying when an actual he was going to take it on a base by base basis. Nobody wanted to hear that, Rick. I did. I was nobody wanted to hear that, and you fired that off in my face. Why? Um, you get my point, though. You know, I mean, I do. I, I think there are so many moving pieces to the Phoenix Suns season so far. Just been an absolute mess. That's, I don't know, you get the feel that, man, hopefully they're going to come together. Hopefully they're going to play well enough where they won't even have to play in a play-in game. You'd love to see them get into the top six seed somehow, some way. But hopefully, um, we're going to see the Phoenix Suns come together as a team once they get all their pieces back. They are currently tied with Portland 
and Golden State for 7th, 8th, and ninth. A game and a half up on Utah for 10th, two games up on Minnesota for 11th, two and a half up on the Lakers for 12th. So, yeah, when they get Devin Booker and Cam Johnson back, they're going to start shooting right back up to the standings. It's just how far down the standings are they going to be? Like, how much of a head start are they going to give some of these other teams before they get those guys back. Now, you'll like this. This is James Jones towards the end of the interview said, no, it's not the time to panic, though. Yeah, we've been losing games. I mean, there's no secret. You're always you're always concerned when you lose games. But you know, I look at the standings and the parity across the league, and you talk about teams being you know three games away from the four seed. It's, there's a lot of parity. And so you just have to continue to try to win games. But I'm not like ringing alarm bells. Yeah. Uh, we have to get healthy. We get Devin back. Um, but until we do that, until Devin's back, we just got to be better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, honestly, parity. It's just I, I hear that word, especially when you talk about the pros. I don't care if it's hockey, basketball, baseball, football. I don't care what it is. Parody right there, man. Parody. You kidding me? I, I hate the word parody. It's one of the first things I ever learned about you is you hate the word parody. It, just, it drives me absolutely nuts. You walk out onto that court. You walk out onto that field, and you tell me there's parody. The guy you're competing against. You know, I know how he means it. I understand how James Jones means it. But the way that a lot of us mean it, I can't stand that word parody. Oh, there's so much parody in the NFL. Like, you know what? It's watered down and there's not any good teams in the NFL whatsoever. You know, you walk out in between those white lines, dude. You get hit in the face and tell me that dude is, is about parody. Well, watered down is different than parity, though, right? Watered down is like there's too many teams in the league and the talent's too spread out. Okay, how do you define parity? Uh, parity, I just, I, I've always looked at it as like, especially in the NBA, it used to just be two teams every year. Now it's like, okay, there's eight or nine that could win the title. Okay, here it is right here. You know what the young crunks say about parity? Uh, okay. Here okay. it is. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Meh. <laughs> no, that's that's apathy. No, that's parody. Parody is meh. Parody, meh. Eh, Whatever. Mean, that's all right. We come back. Uh, has DeAndre Hopkins played his last game as an Arizona Cardinal? We're going to ask 15-year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander. He's going to join us for the lowdown next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.